started a new series last week in Hebrews chapter 11 looking at stepping deeper into faith and what does it look like to grow in our faith with the Lord. And, and this whole chapter they call the heroes of faith. It's a list of all these Old Testament saints and how they were faithful to God and how uh, different aspects of faith are illustrated through their lives. And so we're going to spend several weeks now looking at each one of them and learning from them. So we're going to be in Hebrews 11.4 looking at the story of Abel. Uh, which means we're also going to be in Genesis chapter 4. So you might want to put a finger or a bookmark or something over in Genesis chapter 4 as well. We'll be getting there here in a little bit uh, to hear more about Abel's story as he shows us how God is worthy of our faith this morning. So um, Courtney and I uh, are, by God's grace, are coming up on 18 years of marriage this summer. Um, I know I don't look that old. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, we are, we, we're, we've been blessed by the Lord to make it this far, but I'll tell you, it isn't always uh, roses, right? Like I remember when we first got married, um, one of our recurring fights, one of our recurring tensions in our marriage was how often we were going to eat out. You're like, that seems like a pretty stupid argument, but I'm just telling you, that's just, just being real this morning, that's what it was, and here's, here's what it came from. Courtney she grew up um, in a restaurant. Her dad owned a restaurant. She was there all the time. They were working, so she had access to the whole menu, and uh, they would oftentimes go to other restaurants because her dad was friends with other restaurant owners, and so they ate out a lot in their family, and that was just kind of normal for them. Uh, our family, my family that I grew up in, um, we only ate out like on special occasions, right, because uh, eating out costs a lot of money, and why would we spend the money eating out when we could eat at home for much cheaper, and we could save that money for more important things like, you know, clothes and bills and houses and cars and things that were going to last more than a 30-minute meal. And so, uh, so we had just kind of this difference of background, difference of opinion there. And so this is kind of this constant argument or, or, or tension between us on, is it worth spending our money to go eat out at a restaurant? Is, is that worthy of giving up our cash to go and eat a meal at a restaurant. And so we kind of had to struggle back and forth. And, and what I've found throughout the years of our marriage and just counseling others is that our spending, our money, all of us, always flows to what we value, right? Our money is always, we're always going to put our money, we're going to spend it, we're going to use it towards things that we value, things that we see as worthy of that money or time that we took to get that money. The same thing is true with faith. Okay, We put our faith in what we value most. That's the bottom line. We put our faith in what we value most, what we see as most worthy in life. And the question that is recurring as we're thinking about faith is, is this thing, is this person, is this object, is this God worthy of my trust? Is he worthy of my time? Is he worthy of my faith? And that's what we're going to look at with the story of Abel today. So to step deeper into faith, I must see God alone is worthy of my worship. In order to step deeper into faith, I must see that God alone is worthy of my worship. So with that in mind, look at verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. 
And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. All right, so that's our verse. We're only going to do one verse in Hebrews today. Then we're going to spend some time in Genesis to flesh that out. But the first point I want you to see is this. Worth is at the heart of my worship. Worth is at the heart of my and yours and everyone else's worship. No matter what it is you worship, worth is at the heart of why you worship what you worship. It says here that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. So this kind of breaks the whole story open right here, right? So Abel's sacrifice pleased God. Cain's did not. The real question is why, right? Why was one offering, one sacrifice better than the other? So for that, let's go to Genesis chapter 4. Flip back there with me. Very beginning of your Bible, fourth chapter. We're going to go verses 1 through 8 this morning in Genesis chapter 4. Starts off like this. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. So Cain's the firstborn, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. So Abel came second. And now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. All right, so let's pause there. So the story is all about two offerings, right? We have Abel, we have Cain. Abel is a shepherd. And so for his offering, he brings God some barbecue. Cain is a farmer, and so for his offering, he brings God some broccoli. So is it really a question as to why God preferred Abel's offering? I just, I just don't see this as even like something we need to discuss this morning. It's pretty clear why God preferred one over the other. Okay, that wasn't the real reason. But nonetheless, we see these two different offerings. So let's look at each one individually. Abel, let's start with Abel. It starts with, he says he brought the firstborn of his flock. Now, at this point in the Old Testament scriptures, it's not yet recorded, but later on we see that God, that the firstborn always belongs to him. Right? That, that as an offering to God, that he always gets the first one. Let me give you a scripture here. Exodus 13, 12. He says, you shall set apart to the Lord all the first that opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that, the, that are males shall be the Lord's. And so he's telling the Israelites, like, listen, when you come to give an offering, when you come to, to, to respond to me in this way, bring me the first. Right? And it's a symbol that God gets first priority. God gets the first because he is first. Right? He's, he gets the first. Not, you're not first. Your family's not first. Your governor or president of the state is not first. God is first, and so God is the one who should receive our first, or in this case, Abel's firstborn of his flock. And part of the reasons that God asks for the first is not just because he is the first, not just because it shows priority, but also because it shows trust. You see, the command was to bring the firstborn as soon as they were born. Not knowing yet if you were going to have additional animals come in this particular season. Maybe only one lamb or one sheep is born in this season, and that's the only one you get. But the firstborn goes to God. And as you take it to him as a sacrifice, you take it to him as an offering, you have to trust him that he's going to provide more for you later on 
through whatever means. So it's an issue of making God first priority and giving God uh, your trust to know that he's going to provide for you in faith if you do what he's asked you to do. And so Abel brings his firstborn of his flock, but also says that he brought the fat portions. Right? Now, in Hebrew, in the original language here, there are many different words for fat. Okay? In English, we got one word. <laughs> fat. Okay? But here when he's talking about the fat portions, it actually this Hebrew word actually means the, the best portions or the, the finest portions of the animal. Right? The ones that were most valued. And so again, the idea here is that God gets the best portions, that the, the finest portions are reserved for the Lord because he is worthy. And if he is the most worthy, then he should get our best. The best isn't for us, it's not for someone else, it's not for, to give out to, to, to our kids, to the, it's, it's, it's for the Lord. And so Abel brought his first and he brought his best to the Lord. For his offering. It's interesting here that Genesis calls it an offering. That's the word Genesis uses. But when we get to Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews calls it a sacrifice. Did you catch that difference? I mean, they're, 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 they can be the same thing, but there is a, a nuance there that by emphasizing in Hebrews that it was a sacrifice, he's emphasizing that, hey, this offering, it cost Abel something. Right? This wasn't just easy to give away. This, this is something he had to give up. You see, Abel, he chose to give his best to God rather than take the best for himself. There's a sacrifice in that, right? He sacrificed, he put God first, and therefore God had regard or approval for his sacrifice because Abel's sacrifice was ultimately an act of worship. Because he saw who God was, he saw God's worth, and he responded through sacrificial offering. You know, the word worship, our English word worship, actually comes from a British word that was originally worth-ship. And it meant to ascribe worth to something, to respond to the worthiness of whatever it is that you were worth-shipping. That sounds really weird to say. So as we worship today... That's what it means. It's that we're responding to whatever we see as most valuable, whatever has the greatest worth in our lives. And that's what Abel's doing here with this sacrifice. So that was his offering. So let's look at Cain's offering in contrast to that. It says Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground, which is normal because he was a farmer. But notice here there's no qualifiers given for Cain's offering. Right? It's just a fruit of the ground. It doesn't say he brought the first fruits of the ground. It doesn't say that he brought the best fruits. It, it doesn't say any of that. But later on in Scripture, again, we see that, that God says that, that he wants our first fruits. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Bringing God the first and the best. But Cain didn't do that. Because Cain didn't give to God as his first priority. He gave to God as his last resort. He met God, or he had this me first, God last kind of attitude, the opposite of his brother. He essentially gave God his leftovers, right? The, the day old, picked over, reheated, dried out leftovers, right? That, that, that's not the best, right? That's not the best time. That's not the best food that you get in the week, hopefully, hopefully, 
right? It reminded me, I don't know if you guys have seen commercials or ads for this. There's like this new food service called Imperfect Foods. Have you guys seen this? Right? And they're advertising all over the place. And their, their tagline is, ugly foods delivered to you. That, that's what their tagline is. And the, 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 the pitch is this. They take the ugly, deformed, reject produce that nobody else wants, and then they sell it to you at a discount um, so that you know you're a good earth person and you're not wasting anything. But they don't give it to you. They sell it to you, obviously, right? So in other words, they're selling you, they're giving you the leftovers. Not the best, the leftovers. That's what Cain gave to God. After he'd already taken the best for himself, taking the best for his family, he gave what was left. And so therefore, it says God had no regard for Cain's offering. He had no regard for it because it wasn't a sacrifice. It was, at best, a constellation prize. Right? Like, all right, God, I guess I got to give you something, so here, take this. It wasn't an act of worship. It was an act of obligation. God didn't want his religious payoff. That wasn't the point. The point was his heart in responding to the infinite worthiness of who God was. And it says, so Cain was very angry. Think about that. Think about Cain's response in this moment. Like, again, Abel, he worshiped in faith because he believed that God was worthy. But Cain worshiped out of obligation because Cain actually believed that he was worthy. Cain thought that he was worthy of the best, that he was worthy of what he had worked for and earned and, and, and raised. And, and so when God rejects his offering, instead of, instead of thinking about that, he responds in anger. Like, like, who does God think he is to reject my offering? Right? Like, like at least I gave him something. In fact, he should be thankful that I gave him anything at all that I was willing to even give anything to God, he, that should be a, a notch in my belt, not him rejecting me. Do you see the pride in that? Do you see the heart that Cain has towards the Lord in this moment? Instead of humbling himself and repenting of stealing the best from God and going back and getting something better and bringing it to the Lord, he doesn't respond like that. He responds in anger because he didn't think God was worthy. And so he lacked true faith. So when we think about this contrast between Abel and Cain and giving their first and best and sacrificing, like, what does that mean for us? Like, here at Harvest, we're all about, like, not just hearing God's word, but applying God's word to our life. So what does this look like for us? How do I give my first and my best to God? All right, let's just be honest. Most of us here, we're not shepherds or farmers. Right? Like, I mean, maybe you've got like a little you know, thing going on in your backyard, but like most of us, that's not our gig. Right? We don't have sheep. We don't have this big crop to deal with. And so we, just, we don't have varying degrees of goods to offer to the Lord. Right? Like we get a paycheck that are made, it's made up of dollars. All the dollars are pretty much the same value. Right? There's like one dollar that's like better than the other dollar, and they all come at the same time. Like, so how do we give our first and our best to the Lord like Abel? How do we express our worship of God's worthiness? Let me give you three categories here to kind of think through. So in the category of first, 
Ask yourself this question. Am I giving to God first, or am I taking care of me first? Which is it? Am I giving to God first, or am I taking care of me first? So a couple ways to think about that is, am I giving to the Lord on the front end or on the back end of my pay cycle? Right? In other words, when I get paid, is the first check I'm writing, is that my gift to the Lord, my offering, my tithe to the Lord? And then whatever money I have left, I'll figure out how to pay bills and do the rest of the month? Or am I paying all my bills first, making sure I can do everything I want to eat, do and eat out and do my stuff? And then at the end of the month, if I have anything left before my next paycheck comes, then I'll give something to God. Am I giving on the front end? Am I giving first? Or am I giving as a last resort? The leftovers. Another way to think about this is when money's tight. Let's just be honest. We all have those times. We all have those seasons, those months, sometimes those years where money's just tight. And I I don't know if we're going to have enough to pay everything this month or do everything that we want to do. Or When money gets tight, what do you cut first? Is your offering to God the first thing you cut? It's not putting God first. Or do I cut something else? Do I find some other way to give up this or give up that? Or maybe we don't have cable this month. Or maybe we don't, like, do I cut something else so I can continue to put God first and give him my first? So do I give on the front end or the back end, the leftovers? Do I give, do I make sure that I'm giving even when money's tight and cut other things instead of cutting God? That's what it looks like to give first. Second category, what's it look like to give best? My best to the Lord. Am I giving to God the best of what he has given to me? Am I giving God the best of what he's given to me? A couple thoughts on this. Am I giving off of my gross or my net income? Okay, do you understand the difference between gross and net income? Can we go back to like, you know, high school finance class for a second, right? Like gross is what I get paid before anything else comes out. Before taxes, before health insurance, before 401k, before IRA contributions, before anything else comes out, that's my gross income. My net income is after all that stuff's been taken out. So if I'm going to give God the best that I have, it means giving to him a tithe or an offering off of the full gross income that he has given to me, not, again, the leftover income after everybody else gets their cut. That's not my best. My best is giving to God the full amount Malachi talks about stealing from God, not bringing in the full tithe. That's not giving our best. Our best is that full gross amount that we're giving back to the Lord. And then in connection with that, I think giving our best is also giving off of all of my blessings from the Lord, not just my regular income. You know, we all get regular paychecks, but then we also sometimes have other income. You might get a bonus at work. Maybe you get, you know, um, you know, uh, some overtime, or you get some extra commissions, or you have some side hustle that you're doing to get some extra cash, or, you know, tax return season. Sometimes that can be considered income, depending on how your taxes work. Um, Investments, dividends, like all of that. The scripture tells that all good gifts come from the Lord. That they're all from his hands. So if he blesses me in any way, I should be looking at, okay, how can I give God my best offering in response to what he's given me? Whatever that looks like. 
Right? So am I giving off my gross? Am I giving off of all of my blessings? That's giving God the best of what I have. And then the third category I would have you think through is sacrifice. I think it's really important that Hebrews uses that word sacrifice. It says, am I giving to, the question is this, am I giving to God more than I'm giving to myself? Am I giving to God more than I'm giving to myself? Sacrificial faith, sacrificial worship, sacrificial giving is going to cost me something. Right? It's not going to be easy. And so what am I giving up in order to give more to God? What's that thing that I wish I could buy? I'd li- really like to have this. I'd really like to do that. I'd re- really like to take this trip. But you know what? We're going to give that up so that we can give more to the Lord. We're going to sacrifice that so that we can give to the Lord what he's called us to give. Another way to think about this is foregoing personal luxuries and desires in order to further the mission of God. Am I willing to give up some some luxury, some things that I I would like in order to further what God is doing? Or maybe ask this question, which is higher? When I look at my budget, when I look at my spending, which is higher? My giving or my discretional spending? Not not all your spending. You've got to pay rent. You've got to pay electric bill. I'm not talking about that stuff. But like the extra Right, like the, the buy the extra outfit, the go to the extra restaurant, to go to the ball game money, the discretional spending, the, the fun stuff. Am I using my money to give more to God or more to myself through discretional spending? That's a good sacrifice type of question. And so as we look at Abel here, we see that he does this. He gives his first, he gives his best, and he gives sacrificially, and the Lord has regard for his offering. Because he sees through his offering the faith of his heart. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, okay, that's, that's great, Michael, but what about non-financial giving and serving? Like, what, what if I give my time? What if I give, you know, I serve at the church, I, I, give, I, I donate my time, I, I give of that, I give of my talents, and all of that is good. All that is very important. God calls us to give in all of those areas. But that's not really what this scripture is about. It's not talking about that. It's talking about finances. It's talking about offerings. And if your first response when God talks about financial worship is, yeah, but what about this over here? I don't really want to talk about that. Let's talk about this instead. If that's your first response to a text like this, then you might need to examine if you have an idol in your own heart when it comes to money. Because when God presses on something, we need to respond to that and not try to change the subject. But the biggest focus here is not what, but who. Who is the object of your worship? Who is the object of your faith? Who do you see as most worthy? God or yourself? Abel saw God. Cain saw himself. Because faith in God means that his worth, his worth, is at the heart of my worship. Faith in God means that his worth is at the heart of my worship. 
Second thing I want you to see here about worth this morning from this story is point number two, worth orders the steps of my faith. It's at the heart of my worship, but it also orders the steps of my faith. It says in uh, Hebrews 11 again, it says in verse 4, Abel was commended as righteous because God accepted his gifts, right? God accepted Abel's gifts because they came from a heart of faith. He knew why he was giving. And he saw God's worth, and he worshipped him in faith, and so God granted him righteousness and salvation. All right, let's just be clear. Abel was not buying salvation here, right? His offering did not earn him a place with God. But because his offering came from a true heart of faith in the Lord and in his worthiness, God responded by granting him salvation through Jesus Christ, just like he does with us today. But then we have Cain on the other hand. Again, look back at Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And so God sees Cain's response, and he asks him, he's like, why are you angry? <laughs> like, like, th- th- this, is not, this is not the right response, Cain. This is not helping you, okay? This is the wrong direction we're moving here. Because his anger, again, it revealed his pride. It revealed that his own worth was higher in his mind than God's worth. And he had a hard heart towards the Lord. And so the, the Lord says, if, if you do well, right, if you do like Abel, if you put your faith in me rather than in yourself, will you not be accepted? He's telling Cain, like, there's still an opportunity here for you. It's not too late. Like, there's still an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord, to turn your eyes off of yourself and put them on God and to worship me. God's offering Cain another chance at salvation in this moment. If he'll just turn his eyes off of himself and look to the worthy God. And I love this section here because it's, it's a great glimpse of the gospel right here in the very beginning of the Bible. Right? God's saying to him, like, listen, I, I know you. I see your sin. I see your sinful heart. You, you've, you've lost your way. You're away from me. You're not following me. You're disobeying me. You're rejecting me. And yet I love you. And that's what he says to each one of us. We're all born sinners. We have sinful hearts that rebel against God, but he still looks at us and he says, instead of, instead of sending my wrath on you right now, first, I love you, and I'm going to give you an opportunity. And to create that opportunity, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come and to be a perfect, righteous man. To live a perfect and sinless life. The thing that we couldn't do. He lived the worthy life that honored God. And then he went to the cross and he died to sacrifice that life for us. To pay for our sin. To take our death. And he was buried, and three days later he rose back to life to prove that he was God, that he conquered sin and death, that he brought eternal life for all those who will stop believing in themselves and start worshiping themselves and stop looking at their own worthiness and turn their eyes to the worthy God and put all of their faith in him. And he gives Cain that chance. He says, it's not too late. And I want to say the same thing to you this morning. It's not too late. You still have an opportunity right now 
to take your eyes off of yourself, to turn from your sin, and to worship the only one who is truly worthy of anything. Jesus Christ. That's who your faith needs to be in. Because faith follows whatever has the greatest worth in our lives. Faith follows whatever has the greatest worth in our lives. You have to see him as worthy. Abel saw God as most worthy, and so his faith followed. Cain saw himself as most worthy, and so his faith followed himself. And he just tried to kind of tack God on to the end of it, right? We can't simply acknowledge God and then go off and worship someone or something else as more worthy than he is. It doesn't work that way. That is not true biblical saving faith. You know, Jesus, he talked about this too. He was always big on telling parables. If you've read the Gospels, he always has all these like little stories that he tells. There's this one parable that illustrates this super well, and it's very short. It's called the parable of the hidden treasure. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus says it like this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. When the man found the treasure, when he finally found it, and he saw its immeasurable worth, that there was nothing like it in all of the universe, he changed his whole life to pursue it. He gave up everything else to just get this treasure. There are many church people today, even here in our church, that say they believe in Jesus. And they come each week and they give him a couple hours on Sunday. Maybe they give him a couple dollars. But he has never become their greatest treasure. They've never seen him as the one of immeasurable worth. And so they spend their lives not pursuing him, but pursuing everything else. Comfort, financial security, recreational pleasure, substances, travel experiences, achievements, material possessions. The list could go on and on and on. All these things that we run after because we think they're so valuable. We think that they're so worthy of our time and our energy and our money And they're not. And we run after these things because our faith isn't in God. Our faith is in ourselves. And anything it takes to please me and serve me, that's what I'm going to pursue. And in that scenario, in that kind of heart, God is just another tool in your arsenal to worship yourself. You just tack him onto the end trying to get that little extra notch. But he's not first. He's not worthy in your heart. See, faith follows whatever you see as most worthy. And so faith in God means that I walk as if he is my greatest treasure. That's what faith looks like. That God is the greatest, most worthy 
treasure I could ever have. One more thing here we see about worth. Point number three, worth determines the testimony of my life. In Hebrews there, it says that Abel, though he died, he still speaks. How true that is. Here we are sitting in St. Louis, Missouri in 2022, 10,000 years after Abel died. And his testimony of faith in the worthiness of God still speaks. And his story serves as a picture of Christ that through his obedience, through his sacrifice to God, through his innocent death, he proclaims the worthiness and the glory of God. On the other hand, we have Cain again. Look back at Genesis one more time, verse 7. God says, if you do not do well, right, if you do well, there's still an opportunity for you, but if you do not do well, if you continue on in your sin, then sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And then we see the response from Cain in verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. God warns Cain, right? He's like, listen, if you do not do well, if you not take your eyes and your faith off of yourself and put it in me, if you don't turn away, sin is crouching, ready to attack you. Like the, the, the visual here, the picture here is of like some men hiding in the shadows around the corner, just waiting for you to walk through that door, and they're going to pounce on you and ambush you and take you out. That's the picture he's giving here. I mean, like sin is just waiting for you to take another step so it can continue to take you out because without repentance, sin always leads to more sin. Always. Without repentance, sin always leads to more sin and that eventually leads to death. And so Cain, it says, rose up and he killed his brother. The first murder, the first shedding of innocent human blood ever recorded, all because he didn't see the true worth of God. He didn't see the worth of anyone else besides himself. And his failure to give God his proper worth led to death. It always leads to death. If you don't come to a place where you bow before God as the most worthy, eventually it will lead to death. Death of relationships, death of your faith, ultimately death in spiritual life as you're separated from God for eternity. And so we see here at the end two testimonies. Abel was the first martyr dying for his faith. Cain was the first murderer killing because of his lack of faith. Abel was the first Christ figure proclaiming God's worth with his life and his death. Cain was the first Satan figure attempting to steal God's worth and glory. Abel's name is now synonymous with a life that is lived for God. 
Cain's name is synonymous with raising Cain or prideful rebellion. Abel. Abel's is the path of faith in view of the ultimate worth of God. Cain's is the path of sin with a view only of self. Which brother are you going to follow? Which path are you walking down right now? What will be the testimony of your faith? What will be the testimony of your life? Step deeper into faith, I must see God alone is worthy of my worship. See, deeper faith requires seeing that God is worthy and I am not. And it starts in the heart. It starts with a heart of worship that is focused on the worthiness of God alone. He is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our honor. He is worthy of every single offering we can possibly bring to him. He is worthy. Stand with me. Let's pray and respond. Dear Heavenly Father, we're here today, Lord. We're gathered in this room in your presence because we believe that. We believe, God, that you alone are worthy of our worship. No one else, nothing else even comes close to you, God. It all pales in comparison. And so we thank you, God, for giving us this great gift of faith and calling us to worship you in all of your glory. Lord, you are worthy of every honor. You are worthy of every offering, everything that we can give to you, and so much more. Today, Lord, we see and we confess that you are worthy. You are worthy of it all. And Lord, we worship you for the rest of our days. In Christ's name we pray.